Beginning the Trek, a 52-episode introduction to Star Trek. Bride of Chaotica. Bride of Chaotica. Bride of Chaotica. 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 And his and his army of evil. Mm. And his robot from Satan. And the Satan's robot. Satan's robot did not make my my ten sentence synopsis for this episode. I left him on the cutting room floor. I deleted this guy just like Paris wanted to. Well, I think that's sad. He's a great robot. Danger Will Robinson has nothing on Invaders from the Fifth Dimension. So if you guys can't tell, we're going to be talking about Bride of Chaotica today. Welcome to Beginning the Trek. Welcome to Beginning the Trek. I am Andy Goldberg, the Trek veteran. I'm Jessica Ray, the newbie. Although, I say this almost every time, I don't feel like a newbie anymore. I'm like way past 40 episodes into Star Trek. I've watched all kinds of good stuff. Yeah, and today we'll be talking about your official, your official 43rd episode of of your Trek. And this is Voyager's own Bride of Chaotica, which is a holodeck fantasy episode that, that mixes with real world in really fun and interesting and bizarre ways. I really enjoyed it. The, the style of this humor is different than the tribbles and it's different than TNG's kind of goofiness. I, I really enjoyed it. It's fun. For those of you that are joining us for your first time, especially if you haven't seen Star Trek before or would like to get to know uh, the Trek the way that we're taking it, we suggest you go back to episode one, start your Trek right at the beginning the way that Jessica did with our episode one, and then you'll you'll catch up to us in just 43 weeks or hours. Or However long you want to take to watch it. That's the joy. You could technically do 40 so you do the first 42 episodes you'd have to listen to ours it's almost an hour each and then maybe an average of an hour for each one so you could do it in like 86 hours i mean that's not even four days you could binge the whole thing i'm sorry i'm thinking about an entire work week like technically that's 40 hours so you would have to take at least two weeks well, fine, if you want to do union rules, I guess so. But it's Star Trek, so it's a labor of love. This is true. For those of you that are joining us today, we already said we are on episode 43. That's Bride of Chaotica. Um, and I am blessed with the 10-sentence synopsis. Yes, between the two parters that I get to do. <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah, I, I got lucky with this. This just worked out nicely. Come on, let's hear it. <clears throat> Last time on Captain Proton, the evil Chaotica did something nasty, the rocket ship caught fire, and we're off on another black-and-white holodeck adventure for Paris and Kim. When Kim, playing the trusty sidekick Buster Kincaid, which I actually had to look up, by the way, sees a colorful anomaly break through the holodeck backdrop, it's time for him to end program, but the program doesn't end. The ship gets stuck in space, won't move at all, so everyone gets together to figure out a way to push it, but all the solutions that we attempt fail, even though we talk about them for a really long time. Paris and Kim escape from Planet X via site-to-site transport, but once gone, two new life forms appear in the holodeck, speaking with characters of the still-running program. When Chaotica's evil henchman kills one of these new guys, the other escapes and the holographic war breaks out between the photonic lifeforms and Chaotica's army, his army of evil. 
So apparently it's these photonic life forms and their realm that are holding us here. So if we make them go away, then the ship will start moving again. And Paris has a plan to make that happen. Help them defeat Chaotica's army, his army of evil, essentially creating an unusual alliance with a brand new first contact life form. So essentially we'll trick them into going away. The doctor's unimpeachable role as president of Earth convinces the (laughs) photo guys to let Proton attack, and all the parts are in place except for the secret insider. So, Captain, you're up. Janeway, as Arachnia, queen of the spider people, infiltrates Chaotica's lair, uncorks the pheromones, deactivates the lightning shields, calls Proton to commence the attack, now safe from the Death Ray, who then defeats Chaotica and his army. His army of evil. Once victory is secured, the photonic life forms retreat to their realm and Voyager resumes course for home. But wait, aren't we explorers? You know, first contact and all that, seeking out new life. Anyone? Any? Anyone at all? No? Okay, let's go home. Sounds about right. Yeah, that's kind of what it's like. What? So this one got way deep. And way bigger than we thought. I know. We were like, this is goofy. And then it was like, ooh, it's not that. G-. I mean, it's goofy, yes. but <laughs> Well, it, it turns out it's, it was way deeper than the writers even knew it was. Because yeah. they wrote a really interesting alien and then basically just didn't use them at all except as a way to make the joke work. Holy moly. We need to talk some episodes. Yes, we do. And I am super shocked. Me too. Me too. I am blown away by this. This one, did I did not see this coming. I thought you said popcorn fluffy. I was thinking, oh, this is going to be like uh, Trials and Tribulations. It's just going to be super fun. And we're probably not going to talk about that. And then I started writing notes after my second watch. And they kept going. And I still feel like they're not enough. So you said we could write a dissertation on this episode. It's crazy. I'm right there with you. When I went through it, it was like, let me find a fun one that maybe is a holodeck episode and highlights a couple of people that I haven't gotten to yet. And there was Paris and and Kim. So it's going to be a break. Sure. Uh Uh-huh. Sure. Thanks for the break this week. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise. This one was so deep. And it's not. Like, it's still light and fluffy. It's still, no, it's still not deep, but it totally is. I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, yes. like, like, you can sit and watch it. You can have it on in the background and enjoy the the components mm-hmm. and enjoy the, the ridiculous lines that get tossed about. <laughs> they were so good. Well, some of some them were so good. Some of them missed a little bit, but, but yeah, I, yeah I, in, in the world of comedy, I think Voyager isn't quite as up to the standard that Deep Space Nine, I hope, set. But this one was Tuvok. Tuvok. Tim Russ. The doctor. The robot. Oh, my the God. Robot. They could have... If they... Check. Okay, I have to Check. just say this one thing. Check. I really, really want to see Seven of Nine interact with Satan's robot. I just desperately want this to be a real thing. I wanted them to take the robot off of the holodeck and put him right next to Seven of Nine, and I want that to be real so bad. I have a recollection of an of, of a scene of a future episode in which she is in 
a Captain Proton episode for some reason, and she does interact. Don't inter- tease me if this isn't real. She does interact. I swear to you, I remember <gasps> a particular thing that happens, and I think it's Seven of Nine. Well, you'll have to give me the episode because I thought of that while watching her and, of course, Bailana, all those together. Oh, and I just thought, oh, the robot, the silly, ridiculous robot needs to be next to this silly, ridiculous robot that is only going to be silly and ridiculous 20 years from now. This was such a great episode. Okay, I just, in case you haven't figured out, I'm giving this five out of five, guys, and it's going to be five out of five um, robots, Satan robots, yeah. Five out of five Satan robots. that was just good stuff. Awesome. Intruder, intruder. Intruder. Invaders from the fifth dimension. Uh, what are the other, okay, if, if we're going by individual stuff, the, the good heart screams, which we'll get back to, but that was just I thought it was hilarious. Awesome. I just wanted to mention a couple, like the doctor saying, uh, my speech was unimpeachable. My speech was unimpeachable. Right, as the president of Earth. Press the button. No, no, not that one. Right, right, right. Activating destructo beam. Yeah, just all of the little tiny moments that I thought were hilarious. His army of evil. <laughs> Paris is so serious. And Janeway tries so hard to make it Voyager level, and he's not having it. <laughs> my, my my favorite line, and it was almost a throwaway, was was the steering jets are on the fritz. Which, if he was on the bridge of Voyager, he would say, you know, thrusters are, are not functioning, Captain. But, nope, in there, it's the steering jets are on the fritz. And that's all you need. Yes, I, I needed no more than that. <laughs> how about how about uncork the? You can always just uncork the pheromones. Uncork the pheromones. <laughs> I beg your pardon. <laughs> so yes, this is the joy that I felt while watching this episode, and I did watch the Flash Gordon, and I'm thankful for that because it t- it does it puts you in the right mindset. So guys, if you haven't watched some super duper black and white sci-fi where all the girl does is scream, and there's <laughs> a very particular looking hero who's doing very, I don't know what, like wrestling moves with the aliens with the tusks. You're right. Yes, yes. It was odd, but it was beautiful. And the reproduction, the mimic of that was spot on, mm-hmm. spot on. Yeah. The Fortress of Doom looked exactly like it should in black and white. The rocket ship, the music, the, the music, music in the background was fantastic. All the sound effects were amazing, yes. I, there, there were a couple of scenes that I literally, I paused it and I went back just to listen to the how they how they integrated the music into the scene and how each scene ended with a young, dun, 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 you know, that. that mm-hmm. The, you know where you're at, what you're, yeah. You know, and, and when Paris finds, what's her name, Miss Goodhart? Mm-hmm. Dead. Dead. And he says, no, you don't understand. They never kill the bat. Never. Like, this doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. A, just a beautiful homage to their roots, to the roots of science fiction on television. Props to the props, costumes, editing, set, art direction. I thought all of the recreation in the holodeck was amazing. The bad guy. Chaotica. Uh, who just does an incredible job with the evil laugh and the silly... Im- emphasis and exact he'd spot on total commitment to the role and, and and absolutely believable as this this lunatic emperor of the universe right this f- mm. clever fiendishness oh my your clever fiendishness oh my is yes. brilliant <laughs> <laughs> i mean even even janeway getting coached by paris on that was beautiful yes right just some so so this part of the conversation right here is the 
part of the conversation I was thinking was going to be like this episode before this week. Sure. There's more. <laughs> and then I sat down and, and started to started to like recognize it. And the first thing that I saw, which I just wanted to point out, was when you already mentioned it, when he's talking, when Paris is talking about he's he's briefing everyone yes. in the briefing room. Yes. And he's talking about Chaotica and his army of evil and the death rays and the lightning shield, you know, and when seven says a uh, 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 force field and he says, yeah, now you're getting it. Like, I thought to myself, do I sound like this when I talk about Star Trek? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that was the absolute beauty of this episode is what I got after the second watch was they're not making fun of Flash Gordon. They're not making fun of 1930s. They're mimicking it to make fun of themselves mm -hmm. because everything about this was very clearly, we know that we're ridiculous. Star Trek is ridiculous. We know that. We're embracing it. Guess what? We're going to sound just as silly saying the shields are offline as the death ray is on the fritz or whatever. In 20, 30 years, it's going to be just as silly to reference Voyager as it is for us to reference now Flash Gordon. So beautiful. Well, go back and watch the original series. Yes. You know, I mean, you you watched 13 <laughs> required episodes of the original series, plus a bunch more I know you've seen. I mean, those colors, those sets, it just, it, it wouldn't fly as what we consider to be real on screen today. Right. Like that, like it looks then. And, and when you see some of the technology, it's like, oh, and yet the stories are still great. Mm -hmm. The characters are still fantastic. We're still watching it. We're still enjoying it and we're watching. So, so Paris is a fan of Captain Proton. I am a fan of this thing. And we all sound just as ridiculous 20 years later, even when I just walk out my door. 40, 50 years later. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. No, but when you do meet somebody who knows what you're talking about, then immediate connection. Yes. And it's wonderful. <laughs> so I, I need to ask, at what point did you realize who the bride, because you predicted last oh, week. Oh, I thought it was going to be Paris himself Paris that was the bride. would end up being yeah. the bride. And I thought, so like a cross-dressing thing or something fun like that was what you maybe had in mind. I didn't know. But it turned out not to be Paris after all. <laughs> no. And what I had in mind was actually that it, it didn't matter. I Like I wasn't thinking cross-dressing, but that he was going to be like the sacrifice virgin who was going to be put in the volcano. Like okay. it was going to be that, like that was what was in my head. It wasn't necessarily that he was a girl or something like that. It was just that position. He of, would take, he would do the whatever ritual or the whatever right, thing that he was going to be put in the danger. And that's what they had to save him from because suddenly, you know, holodeck made it real or whatever, but it wasn't, it wasn't it was him not. after all, it turned out that they needed to cast someone in that role. Anyway. Can we just mention the moment where Janeway looks back and is just like, oh, of course it's going to be Seven. And Seven of Nine is like, no, no, it's not. <laughs> that was... Everybody was looking at her. The whole room was like... So great. Who else is going to do... You're queen of the spider people. You're going to let anyone else be that to get your ship out of this danger? Sorry, Janeway. All you. And I loved her. I loved her a lot. Even though it was a little bit of a... Will you tell me whether you loved it? I'm a size four. I thought it was exactly what it needed to be. What I because <laughs> how else are you going to play that? <laughs> like, what I really loved, and I learned a new thing. 
I'm sure you already know this expression, but for those of us who uh, didn't, there's a thing called chewing the scenery. Yes. And it means to overact. And sometimes it's derogatory and sometimes it's perfect. Completely. Janeway chews the scenery. Yes, she like does. Like a freaking queen. Yes, she does. Exactly how she should. Um, she's a little bit twitchy because she's actually Mulgrew playing Janeway, playing Arachnia. And it is everything I wanted it to be with the collar. Oh. Right, the collar. And and, and and this is a first on on at least your trek. And I know you don't get to see it very often. Janeway Cleavage. I didn't notice it. <laughs> you actually get to see a little bit of... She's got some vavoom. It was like, hey, you know, just not much. And and it was it was down. You didn't see leg. It was so elegant. All I saw was the color and the hair. It was great. Beautiful and elegant. And the, the makeup, that severe 1930s bombshell makeup, mm-hmm. you know, it was just so awesome. And she comes in and even, you know, just the, the poses... Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. You can tell almost before she makes every decision, Janeway is like rolling her eyes. I can't believe I have to do this. But then she does. Right. I really enjoyed that because we never forget that that's Janeway. Right. She she constantly reminds you that it's Janeway. She constantly has to remind him that she's Arachnia. Right. And yet there are moments where it's just so clear that this is Catherine Mulgrew having a freaking ball. Yes. When she sits on the throne. Yes, that was the moment I was going to mention. She's like, somehow I feel very comfortable here or whatever the right? line is. That was so great. It's like, oh my God. How do you, how, so perfect. So perfect. It was. And the nice thing about this is, and this is what I went back, like the first watch, you're like, oh, that's fun. Yes. And you move on. And then I got thinking about it and you can go as deep as you want with that as a parallel between what she is in Star Trek. Yes. The first woman captain, the first one to like fighting the, the sexualness of being used on screen as an actress. Mm-hmm. There's so many parallels you can make having her there but really truly honestly it's just having fun in that moment it, yeah i thought it was really well done but you can read into it if you wanted to and i got a couple notes if we want i don't want to go too far off into this but i do want to mention the retro sexism okay let's talk about what that is what does that mean uh, so retro sexism as a the definition is when you look back at the past and you are glorifying all of these kind of archetypes, which sexism laid down. The slave girl. That's a pretty typical thing. We can all look at that and be like, hmm. And and slave girls get mentioned at the beginning of this episode. And I got to be honest with you, when I saw that, my first thought was, ooh, I wonder what Jessica's going to think about that. All I want to do is point out the difference between Harry Kim saying that and Goodhart's only lines, if you even want to call them that, screaming. being screams. Yeah. Because there is a difference. And one is playing off of, I, I get it, this is silly. And the other one is, even now in Voyager, we're going to mention this as though it's a real thing, that it's hilarious that men want to have. If you want a slave girl scenario, just make one. What are you doing? That, for me, is a really great description of the two sides of that conversation. So let me see if I can give it back to you because I got it. I think I got okay. it. So okay. Miss Goodhart and her continual screaming mm-hmm. was very homage to the to the genre, mm-hmm. to the stories of the past, and even to how that type of character was played. Compared to Harry Kim, yes. who brings up slave girls just to put slave girls 
into the show for some reason or into the story or into our minds just to like bring it up. Like it didn't need to be there and it calls out something that yes, it may call out something from the yeah. from the genre, but if you're not going to actually do something with it, 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 it wasn't a fa- it wasn't an effective protest. It wasn't an effective anything for me. Yes. In some ways I'm saying Goodhart was very self aware. You can look at that character and be like, ah, I get what they're doing, and they're saying something about it. Harry Kim is that line, not him. (laughs) Not self-aware. They're not mocking it. They're saying, oh, no, this is a real thing. Right, he wants to meet slave girls is what it sounds like. And that's where where the disconnect. So that's, and that's all I, that's all I really wanted to say about that because I still thoroughly enjoyed this episode. It also seemed to me a very not Harry Kim kind of line. Yeah, it was weird. It was weird. He's the one. He's the one that wants to be a little bit more proper about that stuff, and I just cannot imagine him saying something like that to Paris. Paris might bring it up himself, because yeah. he's a little bit more of a dog. I don't know, but we can get into that in the well, future yeah. talk because I've now watched some more episodes. <laughs> Ooh, okay, can't wait. And he's he's changed, but kind of didn't work, and it didn't knock anything down for me. It was just an oh, that kind of sucks that they did that. Not everything hits. Yeah, there was another thing that I was just like, guys. Normally, I'm one for exposition, let's be honest. Like, I don't mind them taking the time to explain some of the sciencey things so that I don't get hung up on stuff that they should have explained. I want that. Yes. But for the love of God, did I not want that in this episode? They spent so much time on how Voyager is getting out of this subspace sand pit. <laughs> and I was like, can you guys stop and go back to the black and white and give me some more laser of doom nonsense because I don't care. None of those ideas worked either, right? Like, like they didn't work. It was so bad. I was just like, guys, let's just move it along here so that I can see Janeway chewing some scenery. Well, and, and on top of it, there are there are some ideas that when you realize <gasps> yes, they it, should have spent so much more time. Boy, they could have taken... They could have taken 10 minutes of let's try not going so fast and instead let's try and ease off it slow and then we'll talk about it for a while and then we'll actually go out and do it and that won't work and all of this. Meanwhile, we're just pegged by these life forms. Like that's all that's going this on. This is the first contact with a whole new realm of something you don't even know about. Here we go. And they spend time there like we're going to go slow to get out of here. That's what you're going to focus on? All right. That's, let's – Let's shift gears and start talking about photonic life forms. Okay, good call. I admit it. This was a fun episode. I love Janeway in this. I love the doctor in this. I even love Paris in this. He's perfect for who he's supposed to be in this episode, and it it, it all plays. The even the moment even the moment with Janeway and Neelix, <laughs> where she says coffee black. Oh, I didn't like that. You didn't like that moment? Not really. She just seemed kind of like, I was like, what are you doing? Although I did like the fact that they finally mentioned bodily functions on Star Trek. And right? We, we, like, a- we need to get out of here because uh, there's some aliens and some humans that need some, we're going to, we need to dump some waste. <laughs> so that was actually kind of cute to hear that. But the, but the coffee black thing, I don't know. It kind of fell. Okay. She just seemed angry. Uh, you know what maybe that is, is, is I just know. But you liked well, it. I, I liked it. And I also know that her and her coffee is a thing. It's a, yeah. It's a thing. I've seen where her. She will, yeah. Yeah. She, she really can't start her day without the coffee. And you'll start to notice she's got coffee in the morning. Whenever she starts a shift, she's drinking her coffee. You give the captain what she needs to function. <laughs> 
when we're talking about this entire episode, it's very much like this coffee thing. I can see how somebody would hate this episode. And just because I loved it so much is probably love of old sci-fi too. I love like the classic stories. I can accept a lot of that. But this is particularly the kind of episode where somebody's going to look at it and be like, oh, they're doing the proton thing. Why? And they skip over it. Because as much as I yeah. enjoy it, somebody else dislikes it. And that's 100% fair. And I just kind of want to recognize that. Well, and and we've seen Proton in the past a couple you of times. You have. This was my first time. We, we, we meaning Star Trek Voyager has had some Proton right. episodes prior to this one. That's why I talked about it before showing you this. But this was clearly the one to show you. Yeah, I'm glad you did. For, wow, a ton of reasons. I don't remember too much about what happens in most of those Proton episodes. It seems like they're just sort of, you know, bumpers at the beginning, just conversation about... Kind of the way Bashir and... Uh, and O'Brien, yeah. And O'Brien have their things, but you don't ever actually see the things? M- much of it. You saw you saw more of Captain Proton, but but not as much. So that was, that was there before. What was my point? I had a point. I don't know. I started out with this is a purely subjective kind of thing. And I can see as much as people like it, people hate it. So I could see that, too, if people got to it. It's like, oh, God, another black and white, one of these. I'm just not going to. Yeah. Uh, or, or, or watch it with the eye of I'm going to find reasons not to like it. Because it's just not their thing. Because it's not. Yeah, it's, it's not everybody's thing. Not everybody wants to see an homage to 1930s science fiction. Right. Some people couldn't care less. I don't know who any of those people are, and they should all be airlocked immediately. That's not fair. <laughs> I do the same thing when it comes to the singing, and I'm like, ugh, again. And there are people out there who are like, yes, this is awesome. And I just reviewed a, your, your your final Voyager episode, and the duet in that is, oh, can't wait. Can't wait for you to talk about that singing. Lovely. Anyway, so we were going to go and talk about photonic, holographic aliens. Yeah. And I, Okay, so... We've got these new life forms that Mm -hmm. show up on the holodeck. They come through these rifts. But by the time that Paris leaves the holodeck and they pop in, we don't know they're there, but the program can't stop. So my first question is, why do they look like human beings wearing suits? I wish that they would have spent so much more time with these aliens. Because it doesn't bother me that they look like humans wearing suits. I thought that fits with the scenario. I thought that what they were doing was they were taking, like, they took their form and their and based language it off from of. the environment that they were joining. Yes, that's how I took it. Yeah, so I'm like, totally. okay, so how does photonic life exist and travel like it does? And can it only go somewhere where there are hollow emitters, or does it? Is it like its own version of the mobile emitter? Boy, this is just one. I mean, you can bring up what ifs and we can. Yeah. No, what I loved about that was they literally don't recognize our real as real. Yep. Paris wasn't real. They they did the whole scanning thing and they're like, you don't exist. Get out of here. And it would be fascinating because, oh, I cannot believe they did not spend enough time here. We are their data. Or we are their Moriarty. We are their Moriarty. Where if we could have proven to them that we are sentient, they would have been like, oh my God, biological life is sentient. That's crazy. Here's the killer. Did they consider Chaotica to be sentient life? They certainly considered him to be an enemy. I would say yes. They took him very seriously. And then Paris, as 
proton, right. a non-photonic being that cannot register, mm-hmm. helps them defeat Chaotica, mm-hmm. which should have been proof to them that even though he doesn't register as a life form, you are interacting with him and he obviously made a difference. You have to consider that your devices aren't seeing the whole picture. Let's chat. Well, not only that, but Captain Proton did shit all. Captain Janeway as Arachnia actually saved the day. Yes. So I just want to like kind of that but, was but, that was awesome like to see because we weren't focused on that. So yeah, there was a lot of like the focus could have been much more interesting had Janeway, these aliens, and Chaotica been in the same room when the final thing happens, and we gloss yes. over we gloss over everything. I say we, they glossed over. I would have pushed this. <laughs> once once the resolution of the story happens, which is great mm-hmm. and fun. Yes. And the lightning shield comes down and, you know, we defeat Chaotica officially. And then, you know, they go away. Yeah. it's They just, like, let us. Let's talk, guys. First contact. Let's, let's talk. With a whole. First contact with, not, with, a, with, a, with a life form beyond life as we consider it today. Yes. That was such a missing for me. And, and I didn't even know it was there until I went back through this week and said, oh, my gosh. This is really first contact with a fascinating species, and all we're going to do is say, well, we helped you defeat the thing that you think is the enemy, and even though we helped you, we're not going to point out that we helped you, and that might mean we're more real than you think we are. Well, on the flip side, we did not take the fact that Chaotica was shooting death rays at their stuff seriously at all. No. We didn't, and that that was a painful sticking point. I was just like... 53, 53 of their people killed, yeah. We gloss over. He takes it very seriously, that alien. He's like, our people are dying, and we don't, like, as Voyager, we don't even address that. Yeah. And I felt like that was very not Star Trek. That that bothered me, and it bothered me as much as I was like, where's the, like, I get it, the the fun and stuff, but I wish that they would have pushed that. Much more than let's go slowly out of the sand pit. No, I, I, I agree completely because <laughs> yeah. what, it, what it was was it was more of the we'll just back off and pretend it didn't happen. Yeah. Kind, kind of. And that's a, and that's a bummer because it, it did happen, which you know, surprises me that that was one of the things I got out of it was how do we not get to know these people more? Yeah. And even using the doctor as an emissary of some kind. He's perfect. They're listening to him. And the first thing he does is lie to them. Which, because we don't take it seriously. We're like, oh, they're fake. So who cares if he's represented as the president? And it was funny, I get it, but it was missing. You're right, because we lie to them, they look at us and say the only way out is to follow this scenario, which they do, and then it ends, and that's why they leave. Now I get why they laugh more, because we lied to them and didn't tell them, no, 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 we're this. We're, we are carbon-based, like Tuvok says, and all that stuff. I mean, we tried. A tiny, tiny bit. You're in what we think of, we could have talked about. This is entertainment for us, but we get that it's not anymore, and we're going to try and make this work for you. And in order to do that, we mm-hmm. need the program to run out. Could have gotten like even more authentic about yes, it. Yes, they could have been very, very. Especially since these guys are explorers. I mean, the first thing they did when they, for lack of a better term, beamed in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and immediately, and then they pull out their scanners and start scanning stuff. They're very Kirkian, and we treat them like 
they're not a thing. For, first, our program treats them like they're not no, a the thing. No, the program first, treats program them like they're up. very much a thing. Chaotica takes them very seriously. Well, he's evil. He does, he treats them like a thing not to be respected is the problem. Well, no, he treats them like the evil megalomania thing that he is created to be. It, it, all of his all of his moves are incredibly predictable. <laughs> they pretty much are. Were they though? Because Janeway didn't see the force field coming. Well, there's they're so well not force field. Whatever. What are we calling that? Confinement rings. The confinement rings. <laughs> <laughs> and she was Paris warned her. He's going to have a trick up his sleeve. When that happened, she had a great look that was such a 1930s, I've been trapped look. Oh my. But she didn't scream. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't scream and say, they were all, Miss Goodhart was exactly the right character for Miss Goodhart. The the, the guy, the, the the guard that yells Who at everyone. Who is that actor? I have seen him I don't before know. I don't in remember so many his name. things. He's phenomenal. These, these all, everybody, even the robot was exactly what the robot needed to be. So good. Such oh, good stuff. Just awesome. So, so um, here's my next question about photonic life. Would Janeway, would Janeway consider these beings to have been alive? I want to say in any other scenario, yes. But because it was in this scenario and it was uh, Thomas Eugene Paris being absurd and everybody trying not to laugh, that of course it's not. In the, in the context of this episode... No, we're not allowed to take them seriously. In the context of Voyager, yes, absolutely. At any other episode, she would have taken it very seriously. They, they go light years out of their way to meet new things and, and see uh, new scenarios. I mean, she goes, she does. As the captain, she does that. And it just, yeah. this episode wasn't about that. That's what I took. That's what I took from take from that. And that's why, even as deep as I can go with these with these mm-hmm. photonic life forms, and as not deep as they went, it was still a fantastic episode. Absolutely, it was a puzzle to be solved, mm-hmm. which which is one of your favorite kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I love that it was. It had to be solved by Janeway wearing evil arachnia collar. That's just. That's how you're gonna solve it. I don't yes. know how to tell you this. But the wedding's off. (laughs) So I have a very specific thing that I wanted to bring up for Talking Trek. And I've kind of been waiting for exactly this episode. Okay. Because it is as cheesy as this, but in a different way. And where Bride of Chaotica pulled it off, I think, um, this episode did not. Do you remember mentioning Threshold to me? Yes. No, oh, you're nervous. <laughs> did you watch Threshold? I did, and I watched it. I told it. you not to. No, I know, but I had <laughs> like, to. I think I was really specific about telling you not to. <laughs> you were. Oh. And I had to because a couple of people on Twitter. So I've got to call out to Doug Robison, um, I hope I'm pronouncing, and Miguel Moretta, who asked me what I would think about it. So I went off and did the adult thing, and I watched it. <laughs> And wow, I do have a couple thoughts. I'm not going to go into a huge talking episode about it, but let me just remind our audience just real quickly, because I did watch this by mistake. (laughs) I think it was running on my stream and just went right through it. And it starts out where, where all of them are, are testing a new engine to try and breach the warp 10 barrier. Yes. And it's really cool. And through a series of events, 
many of which I've tried to block out of my head. <laughs> Paris and is it Janeway? <laughs> okay. Paris. We'll give the spoiler. We'll give the spoiler warning, guys. You don't need to necessarily go watch this, but I would. It was so sci-fi. I don't think I can say that. Such. A- um, Paris does, he, he slowly starts to turn into a lizard. Yes. And then how does, so does Janeway. Yeah. Why does Janeway turn into a lizard I don't again? know. Oh, because, I, because he, he like kidnaps her and makes her turn into a lizard. He bites her, I think, and she turns so, into yeah, a lizard So yeah, they're trying too. to get him to be not a lizard, but he's, um, as a lizard now has changed his DNA and as a lizard person is like, this is, I'm so far beyond you guys. And he takes Janeway and they end up at a swamp planet yeah, and they're here, so far here it comes al- folks this is your last chance to turn off our track <laughs> go ahead uh so they end up on this swamp planet as they have fully not even they're not even lizard people they are just no, like no, giant they're, li- lizards. They're, they're slugs they're, they're lizards or slugs with feet they're slugs with feet and they have little slugs with feet babies yes they do and then voyager finds them and in their advanced lizard state, immediately shoot them and use, before Paris ran away, they use the same thing to change their DNA back to being Janeway and Paris. Yeah. Wow. Because Star Trek. <laughs> because Star Trek. <laughs> because science? <laughs> <laughs> Not science. Okay, I have one thing that I really liked about this and then like two giant, giant problems. So just real quickly, because yeah. these guys wanted to know what I thought of this episode. I get what they were trying to be, like, really classic Mm sci-fi and turn people into lizards. They went too far. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, but I don't even mean that they went too far with this. They went too far in turning them into lizard lizards. Complete lizards, yes. Complete lizards. That's... This this is my, my my biggest problem isn't actually necessarily the story. My biggest problem is that the doctor was like, oh, this is the next step in human evolution. And I'm like, really? The next step in human evolution is to turn into slugs on a swamp planet yeah. who can't even defend themselves against like what we are now, which is humans with phasers? But look That's at ridiculous. how fast they had babies. Now that's efficient. My second thing, <laughs> which I actually really liked, was... What they did with the after the having babies, when Paris is just like, I am so sorry. And Janeway's just like, hey, you don't know, it could have been me. I thought that was a really nice way to handle a really weird, why did you guys do this situation? Yeah. Um, And then my third reaction was, ew. (laughs) Ew, 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 ew. That was my first reaction. (laughs) Well, the transition... From Paris being human to lizard person to actual lizard yeah. is super disgusting. Yes. Like, remember what we saw, what we thought about the phage? Yes. The virus that uh, kind of took over and ate the people, and then they were zombies who were picking up right, other the people's. St- yeah, the Vidians. This was so much grosser than that. Like, they just left, like, weird scabs hanging off of his skin, and I couldn't handle it. It was so gross. Okay, so I'm starting to understand how this works with you. If I want you to watch something, I say you really (laughs) should watch this. But if I need you to watch something, all I have to do is say, whatever you do, don't watch this episode, and then you'll go do it. To be honest, I was more swayed by the Twitter post than by your. Like, than than by you. It's a rite of passage for all Star Trek fans. Oh my god, you. (laughs) 
so nasty. It's just really... scabs hanging off of him. <laughs> Have we talked about nostalgia before? We've talked about Trekisterostalgia all the time. Oh, sure. We should say something about I came across. It's been this... a while. We should we should remind if we're gonna get into nostalgia, do you wanna remind people what Trekisterostalgia is? So we define Trek hysterostalgia as a little like retro sexism where like you don't mind going back into the past and you forgive all of the socially unacceptable things of today because it's in the past and it's nostalgic and we like it for exactly those reasons. It's, it's, it's loving it for what it is and not judging it for how it seems today. Ooh, I like that. Ooh, yes. I kind of like that too. I made, I just, I made that up. I read a thing about uh, nostalgia as a cultural phenomena. So if you go back in history, nostalgia is not necessarily a thing. And it's certainly not a thing like the way we think of it today. It's grown into nostalgia being something like, oh, those good old days in the 1870s, back before there were cars, like that kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? Where, you, where you're romanticizing the past. And then it got into a little bit like in the 90s, people started looking back at the past and thinking like I'm nostalgic for much, much closer to like I'm nostalgic for the late 80s. Okay. And you're like, it's the mid 90s. And then you get to like the 2000s and mid uh, like 2000 teens and you've got people who are nostalgic in the moment. Mm hmm. And it's so literal that we're nostalgic in the moment that we post pictures on Instagram and immediately filter them as though they're old. Yes. Why do we do that? That makes no sense. We're immediately nostalgic in this moment. It's crazy. You could say that the whole point behind capturing those images in the first place is to create our future nostalgia. And you just hit on the next thing, which is people are now nostalgic for what's going to happen. As though it has already happened. Yes. That is culturally where we are with nostalgia. And I found this fascinating in terms of this episode even. We're so thirsty for what has yet to come that you're right. We, we, it, it's mm-hmm. not enough. It's not a. It turns out the term for this is retrofuturism. Or, or if futurism is our anticipation of what is to come, retrofuturism describes how we remember what we thought of the anticipation of what is to come. It's a little involved, but this is where, no, no, like it's super meta. And I get that. I actually followed that. Yeah? I actually followed what you were. T- yes. Yes. I mean, I was reading it cause it, as a, cause it's complex. How I feel about the future now. And then in the future, after the future has happened, however it actually happened, right. how I feel about how I felt about the future then. That is Star Trek from like Voyager on. If you think about it, Voyager is trying to get home. It is trying to be what the original Star Trek series was, this adventure, but all of it is bent towards the will of going back to the Federation. It's such a metaphor and I don't, I'm assuming it's on purpose because I want to believe these writers are actually like totally thinking about this. It's, this is why this episode was so freaking fascinating to me. We are nostalgic for Roddenberry's vision of what maybe could have happened. Yes. And how, and Star Trek is about how we feel about Roddenberry's vision 
of what was supposed to happen. I don't think most people want to walk around in primary colors. <laughs> I just want to skip the onesie part. <laughs> well, for the most Please. part, right? I don't think that that's necessarily a big part of what makes us fans. What makes us what makes us fans is the hope. Is yeah. I'm a Star Trek fan and my agenda is to introduce Star Trek to people because through these conversations people work towards cooperation, they work towards exploration and that's what I think using science for the spread of good, not mass destruction. Yeah, not even going to say good necessarily, but certainly for our advancement. For our advancement towards becoming... Cooperative? Cooperative. I went looking for some recommendations for this week, and I came across something really fun. I was looking for comedy, you know, because... Because, yeah. Bright and Chaotica, kind of fun. So I went to what, what I remember being like one of my favorite fun episodes... And then I played it, and I it just started going into the next episode, which was great. All right. And then it went into the next episode, which was great. So I'm going to recommend a three-episode mini Voyager binge. Okay. And these are all in the fourth season, so we're right like between right yeah, around yeah. where we are. So we're right in that area. There's very little spoilers that we need to talk about. I will mention one uh, that I kind of mentioned last week, but um, the first one is called "Message in a Bottle." It is the 14th episode of season four. It is a doctor, very doctor heavy episode, and it's funny and it's awesome. And what happens is we, in this episode, and spoiler alert, guys, this is a major Voyager spoiler. For the first time in the series, we can we have confirmation of communication with the Federation. Ooh, wow. Okay. We actually, we discover a, a, a communications array, an ancient communications array, and we use it to see back over there and we're actually able to communicate with another ship and we're able to send the doctor through the, the array and he mm. shows up on the other ship where he meets the emergency medical hologram mark two played by andy dick i know that name andy dick is i, I know him best from news radio but he's a comedian. He's an obnoxious comedian, too. He's one of those. Okay. Yeah. So Andy Dick plays the EMH Mark II, um, and he ends up on this ship. Okay. With the intention of letting them know that we're out there in the Delta Quadrant and, you know, at least starting the communication. Okay. And an adventure ensues. I'm not going to spoil the adventure, but it's awesome and fun. I bet, because the doctor is... Amazing. Two holographic doctors arguing over which one of them is the better one. It's hysterical. I love the way they're both programmed with just ego the way. Oh, completely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like the doctor is, has been egotistical from the very beginning. It's one of the things we love about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> very egotistical. The next episode is called Hunters, the 15th episode of the fourth. Okay. This is a huge character piece because... And I won't spoil too much, but I will tell you, the Doctor was successful in the last episode. He did eventually make contact with the Federation. They do know we're there. And mm -hmm. they start sending us messages through the array. So we get, among other things, a bunch of letters that's received by... Like handwritten? No, no, no. Like like emails. Oh, okay. It's funny. They call them letters. I mean, I don't know. Janeway has logged some of her captain's log through Da Vinci's like, writing with feathered pens, so... 
Like I would, I don't know why I'm hung up on the delivery of messages. Anyway, yes, email. They get some email from home. And of course, you know, different crewmen will react differently to the news from home. That's a big part of it. Huge character piece. And in this, mm-hmm. we also learn two things happen in this. One, I'd mentioned when we talked about the Bolana Torres episodes, I'd mentioned that Bolana mm-hmm. found out that her Maquis friends had been killed. This is the episode where she discovers that. So that's that's the component of that. Gotcha. I need to watch uh, this. And then the other thing that we learn in this episode is that the communications array is claimed by an organization or by something, by somebody called the Herogen. And they're not at all happy with the fact that we're using this and they actually kind of cut us off. Oh, okay. In the next episode, Prey, so we have... Message in a Bottle, Hunters, and then Prey. The 16th episode is Prey. We actually get to meet the Herogens and discover that they are hunters. And they are on a hunt right now. And what they are hunting is somebody from Species 8472. Somebody. Well, a one of them. A species, I don't know what else to call them. A species 8472. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. We did not find out anything individual about 8472. So, okay. Well, this is certainly an opportunity to learn a little bit more about them. It also cool. foreshadows um, who the Herogen are, who turn out to be one of the big bads of the later seasons of Voyager. Okay. I saw this three episode arc like and i just went oh my gosh what a great three episodes so there you go fourth season episodes 14 15 and 16 message in a bottle lots of fun hunters really great character pieces followed by prey which is an introduction to one of the big bads and more on 8472 then let's get directly into talking next week because some of this ties in let's talk about next week yes ma'am because okay i get to be the captain Yes, you are. But it does send this in a completely different direction because we just had a ton of fun. Well, I did. Clearly you did. And we're going to follow that up with what you said was some comedy. And I am going to be watching these because in choosing what I chose for you, Uh that's relevant, especially the season four, episode 15, Hunters, where where Belana learns about the death of the Maquis. Like a lot of her Maquis friends? Yes, yes. So the choices you had given me were, let's just to remind everybody if they haven't been listening, Dreadnoughts, uh-huh. which was uh, pretty early on in the well, season. Fact, let, let's even back it up just to remind everybody. So Jessica is taking over the the, the center seat for this week. Yay. Yeah, so so that's why she just, and you just jumped like Janeway. I'm sorry, Captain. I didn't mean to interrupt. I apologize. Please continue. You can call me ma'am or you can call me Jessica because that's who I am. (laughs) Yes, Jessica. (laughs) Anyway, so that's what's happening this next week. Andy gets to watch and Andy's going to tweet, but he'll tell us about that in a minute. Uh, Yeah. I wanted to learn more about Belana because I didn't feel like we'd gotten like anything of her. Truth is, I haven't gotten anything of Tuvok, but I wanted to learn about Belana. So you gave me three kind of to pick from and I watched all of them. Dreadnought runs into is early on, and she runs into a weapon that she designed originally and reprogrammed it in her own voice. So the story is very literally her arguing with a rigid version of herself, and it's yeah. fascinating and it's really good. And yes, you're right. I highly suggest watching it. It's great. Day of Honor was pretty good, but you're gonna see the one I picked in a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's. That one definitely established her and Thomas Eugene Paris in a relationship. And they kind of end up floating out in space. And so it's really interesting if you guys wanted to watch that. Really good character piece for her. Very good character piece. 
Yeah. But as an episode, I didn't think was quite as powerful as Dreadnoughts. I, I wasn't sure. How, I, I wanted to give it to you because in this episode, mm-hmm. she doesn't get to be the hero. And I wasn't sure. I didn't want to just have her be the hero all she the time. She doesn't find that one thing that saves the day, which she does a lot. She is the one where they say, literally Chakotay, I remember in an episode, turns to her and is basically like, do the impossible. And she's just like, Mm -hmm. okay, I will. Yeah. And then she does. This is who she is. And the the one I picked for you to watch is Extreme Risk. Okay. It's season five, episode three. Mm -hmm. And you talked about it before. She's dealing with the death of her Maquis friends. Yes. And it gets into her... And self-harm as an idea. And I have a feeling it's, it's not a silly episode. It's not funny. Nope. Uh, it's pretty intense. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm excited to talk with you about that. Great. It's probably going to get a little personal. <laughs> so Okay. Fan- it'll, be, it'll be good. Great, great. Um, yeah, I think this is a fantastic choice for for this track because it really highlights who she is as a character. Mm-hmm. It gives her some fantastic, if I remember correctly, heroic moments. I'll have to watch it and let you know what I think. Yes. Yeah. So when so will you be watching this? I, Andy? I'm excited to to follow this one. So when will I be watching this? That's a great question. Um, I have to do the the the, the tweeting. You will be doing the twitterings. Yes. <laughs> how the how do you how do you do? I'm going to give you the login to at begin the trek. Yes, Captain. And you get to engage with some of the people that are on there, and I'm. I'm excited to see what kind of responses you get because your tweets are going to be much different than mine. Well, they will. So, so I, I can't pretend that I haven't seen this episode before. Sure. And that this is my first time. So how do I want to take this on? So, so it's going to be, yeah, I'm going to sit down with my pen and paper, old, old school <laughs> style. So you're not going to be doing it in real time um, kind of the way I do. I'm terrified. Yeah, no, I guess I got to, right? The, no, this is, I understand because when I started out, it was very scary. This will be my first ever live tweet. I've never t- live tweet. Like, I think I tweeted about being in line at Disney once, <laughs> you know, and I tweeted the whole way through the line. But this is... This is this is far more intimidating. <laughs> is that a bit? This is far more intimidating than I expected it to be when I came up with this silly idea. We don't have to do this. Uh, no, we should do this. I'm excited. When am I? No, I I think you should. And part of that is because what I have found online with uh, Star Trek and Twitter is that everybody pretty much is awesome. So all of our followers right now are amazing and they're great. That I can definitely believe. So I will I. Andy, the veteran, will be tweeting Extreme Risk on Sunday, the 29th of July, 2018, mm-hmm. at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, which is really 6 p.m. here in California, where I am. Ooh. So I will be tweeting my impressions as I, and I'm not going to watch it until then. So, you know, the next time, like, that'll be my next watch and I'll tweet right off of that. I'm excited. I get I a little too. bit of a break and you get to kind of engage with some of the people. I know all those like inner thoughts that pop into my head that just fly away because mm-hmm. they're mine and they're personal and they just go. Mm-hmm. And and you take them and you put them down in your phone and send them out into the world for It's kind of scary. It's like like this yeah. is this is actually being okay. I'm I'm taking it on. I'm taking it on. I'm boldly going. <laughs> 
boldly go. Yes, yes. So, and then what's cool is that episode will actually air on Wednesday, August 1st. Which which coincides with mm-hmm. the opening day of Star Trek Las Vegas, which is the big Star Trek convention of the year, which both you and I, Jessica, will be attending. Mm-hmm. In addition to us begging for your likes and shares and comments and subscribes and all that, we're really begging for come and say hi talk, to us. Yeah, come talk with us. I think so. I think meeting people and actually engaging with them is going to be the most fun. Uh, for me personally, uh, so I'm I'm so sorry if you don't have the opportunity to come to Vegas. Uh, We're gonna bring some sort of microphones and record Jessica's first convention. The trek continues. Yeah. So, I, is there anything else I'm supposed to say? I mean, I don't. <laughs> we could we could mention. Uh, I mean, there's always the ending thing where people are like, "Hey, at begin the trek on Twitter, beginning the trek on Facebook." beginningthetrek.com but I, I feel like everybody kind of knows that you can if you search for beginning the trek guys on podcasts and facebook and twitter it is very likely that beginning the trek is going to show up <laughs> you have a great week you too yeah i will i guess i will be um enjoying extreme risk and you should too do <sighs> you should you should say that go ahead enjoy extreme risk and we will talk about it on wednesday These guys are explorers. I mean, the first thing they did when they, for lack of a better term, beamed in. Mm-hmm. Photonic beam. <laughs> I've been saving that joke all week. It landed way flatter than I thought it would. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> okay. Uh. Uh, <laughs> you have to leave that one in yeah, there. Yeah, so they beamed in. Tee-hee-hee. <laughs>